I have felt his touch so greatly here today, and I know that you have too. The presence of the Lord is surely in this house. I said the presence of the Lord is surely in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We want to get right into the word of the Lord. I'm not going to do the uh, declaration today because I feel an urgency to get right into the scripture because everything that I'm going to be preaching today, and I don't know how much of this sermon I'm actually going to preach. I've just, man, my spirit's just being all over the place in this, and Lord's speaking to me about a certain thing, and I just want to try to bring out what he wants me to and leave out the rest. So will you pray for me today? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this, we know it very well, Hebrews 13, verse 15, and it says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. I want to read it again. By him, by who? Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. My goal this morning is to try to dissect this passage of scripture just a little bit. I don't know how many of the points I'm going to get into because there's one area that I feel like that the Lord is speaking to this body very loudly, very, very clearly. And uh, I think he was setting us up here this morning to even try us, to even test us. How many know that God has got to test, that God will try you? that he will literally begin to, the things that he wants to promote, he will begin to actually pour out to see that if we're able to handle them or not. Amen? And the more that we're able to handle, the more that God can entrust us with. And the more that God can entrust us with, the more of God that we begin to come to know and to see. There are segments all over the world where there's just people that know God in this little box. And the only time that God shows up is in that little box. And then that when, when they try to get around other groups of people, they can't handle it because they think, oh, that's weird, that's crazy, that's stupid. They don't do things like we do things. It's because they, they have confined God to a little box, and that's all they know about God. But the more that you open yourself up and the more that you allow yourself to submit and surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and allow his Holy Spirit to take you into depths and to realms that you've never been before, you begin to learn God in an all-new way. You begin to see him in a different light, a different understanding. My travels around the world preaching the gospel, I preach the gospel literally in, not around the whole world, but in many parts of the world. I've preached it in many states in the United States. I've preached it in Mexico. i preached it in El Salvador. I was there to minister in China, and we got cheated out of that, but I was there. I, there was different places that I had preached all over this world. And everywhere I went just in my travels to see God out of my box, out of the southeast Missouri boy, I've come to know God even in greater ways and greater knowledge has been imputed to me by me just having that opportunity. Some of us are very naive. Some of us sit in this congregation think we really know who God is only to find out we only see just a glimpse of God. Only to find out we our narrow-mindedness keeps us enclosed to a, a very narrow mind of who God is. And when God breaks out of that, if we're not mature, we can't break out with him. And the very thing that God is moving in is the very thing that people begin to despise. The very thing that blesses others destroys others because they can't get out of their box. They can't somehow get out of that box to where they can enjoy the presence of God in a new way, in a new light. And I'm here to challenge you today 
that the palace of praise is going in a transition. And if you're not mature enough to get out of your box, you're not going to like what this church stands for in another six months. Amen? Because God's bigger than you are. God's even bigger than I am. And I'm ready to see God in ways that this preacher has never seen him before. And I'm ready to experience him in ways I've never experienced him before. Are you ready for that? I said, are you ready for that palace of praise? Okay. Some of you are. And some of you that saying you like it, I don't want to hear you griping when God moves in a way that you don't like. Or when you're not adjusted yourself to. Or in a way that you just, I, I just can't comprehend that. Well, get out of your box. Look at somebody and say, get out of your box. Get out of your narrow-mindedness. Get out of your naiveness. There are literally people that backslide because God goes a different way than what they're accustomed to. And they say that they're spiritual. They won't even go to the house of God because it ain't the way I like it. Amen? What kind of a faith really is that? A faith that wants to lock God up in a certain way. Amen? We're going to talk about a little bit of that if I get to it. Hallelujah. I was reminded of God this week uh, some time ago. I don't know exactly the time, but God gave me a sermon from this passage of Scripture that I just read to you, and he gave us a charge, and he gave us a mandate in it as a palace of praise. I don't even know how many of you uh, remember it. I don't know how long ago it has been, but I know it's been at least a year, maybe two years, maybe three years' time has a way of getting away from me. But I think sometimes we as a people of God can take an order or take a commission from God way too lightly. I really do. It's just like sometimes our tongues and interpretation or our prophecy, our word of knowledge, sometimes we, we are edified by them. We're blessed by them. We're even encouraged by what God promises through those giftedness. But all too often with the passing of time, we can't even tell you or remember what they even said because we really never took it to heart. And if we can't remember it, then how are we ever going to appropriate it and pursue it? If God's promised us something and if God's given us a blessing, a promise ahead, we need to remember it. We need to etch it down in stone and we need to pursue it with all of our heart. Can you say amen? But if we have to realize that the presence of God has to be facilitated. God has been using that word all the last two or three weeks with me, facilitate, facilitate, facilitate. And I said, okay, Lord, and I finally looked it up to see what it meant. You and I have to learn how the palace of praise to facilitate the presence of God. The word facilitate means to make room or to make an action or a process easy or easier. Did you hear that? I want to read it again. To make room or to make an action or process easy or easier. I am convinced that far too often that we can't facilitate the presence of God because we haven't made room for him because we're too full of ourselves. Sometimes we have to empty ourselves to make room for God's presence to occupy us. And this is why the Bible mentions the word sacrifice in our, our text. Sacrifices has to be made to facilitate the presence of God. You'll not have the presence of God if you're not willing to put down some things and pick up some things. If you're not willing to put off some things and put on some things, you're not going to be able to facilitate the presence of God. Because the, 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 the presence of God demands out of us things that we don't always desire in the flesh. Can I have an amen? So sacrifices has to be made to facilitate the presence of God. The manifestation of the presence of God should not be a hard, long process, but it should be one of freedom of access. You and I are to have a freedom of access to where you and I can come into the presence of God just like that. 
We should be able to approach or enter the place of God's presence very easily. You know why? Because Jesus Christ has opened the avenues of approach to the throne of God by his own blood. The Bible tells us specifically in Ephesians 2.13, you who sometimes were far off, you are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that in Hebrews chapter 14 where it talks about we have a high priest that can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities because he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might find favor and that we might find help and mercy in our time of need. The Bible tells us that you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace. That word boldly does not mean arrogantly, but it means confidently. That you and I are to be able to come into this place and go straight to the throne room just like that song said and encounter the presence of God. There should be no war. There should be no fight. There should be no struggle because we got to learn how to facilitate the presence of God. And when it's a war and when it's always a hard thing and when it's always a fight, when it's always a struggle, struggle for somehow to get in the presence of God, then you and I have not learned how to facilitate the presence of God. Can I have an amen? Jesus Christ has made a way for every believer right here to run right into the throne room and cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, and come into his presence. Would you do that with me right now? Praise him and say, Lord, let me say, let Kim Miller, let Chuck or whatever your name is, enter into your presence right now. Would you do that with me? Come on, let me hear you say it in this house. Amen. But for some reason, it's not so easy. It's become a burden, a chore, a war, and a hard, long process to enter into God's presence. And I'm afraid that this is the way that we have treated the past assignment or mandate that God gave us in this previous sermon. I preached something similar to this. When I preached it, it blessed, it exhorted, it, it challenged us, and we inspired us. I remember that service. It was a great service. And with, but with the passing of time, we've allowed what I preached out of this sermon to slip from us. And looking back and observing the specific charge that the Lord had gave us, I see that maybe we have taken that charge for granted. Maybe we have forgotten about it. Maybe we've just kind of discarded and thought, well, we can live with or without it. It's no secret that this scripture deals mainly with what? Praise and worship. It deals with the sacrifice of praise. Praise and worship is the single most important discipline that you and I will ever do. And let me tell you this. Notice that I use the word discipline. Worship is a discipline. And anytime you hear the word discipline, you know what's tied to it? Sacrifice. No discipline comes easy. But listen to this. I want to give you the definition of Kent Miller for discipline. I looked it up and I thought, I don't like that definition. I'm going to give my own definition. This is Dudley language. It's from a Dudley boy, but this is the definition of discipline in my book. It is the controlled behavior resulted from a sacrificial act. It is something that I can control. It's something that I make a decision to do. And it's done from a sacrificial act. It's done out of something that I don't want to do. It's something that fights against me, but I don't have to fight. I don't have to war. I don't have to struggle. All I got to do is be obedient and do it. Can I have an amen? But we make it all way too hard because we don't feel it. We wrestle with it. We war with it. We tinker with it. We'll do a little bit. We'll be give an ounce of here and an ounce there. But I'm here to tell you it's time to go all out or go out at all. 
Can I have an amen? It's time to put it all in or put nothing in. It's time to obey God or not obey God. It's time that we declare, God, I'm giving you my all here this morning. Can I have an amen? Discipline is the act of denying what one desires and put into practice behavioral action imposed upon us by the Holy Spirit. That God is speaking to every one of us. And there's times he tells me to do things I absolutely do not want to do. My wife, to keep a good marriage, she'll ask me to do things I don't want to do. Honey, I want you to go shopping. I'd rather have my head cut off than to go shopping. Come on, somebody help me preach. I would rather take a beating. I would rather work all day in in the fields than have to go shopping. I feel like a little puppy. And finally, she'll get so sick. You just sit there and I'll be back here in a little bit. Amen? I hate to shop. And there's things of the Holy Spirit that God begins to speak to me. He begins to lead me. He begins to prompt. And sometimes he don't prompt it. Sometimes he don't come by and even speak it, but they're mentioning the word of God. He don't have to. He's already told me what to do. He's already instructed me of what to do. He's done made himself and clarified himself through scripture. And even though that scripture's there, sometimes we don't even pay attention what the word of the Lord is speaking to us. If we want victory, we gotta hear what the Lord is saying. And God is saying, learn how to facilitate the presence of God. We gotta learn how to facilitate him. I want to make room at the palace of praise for the presence. I don't want to get so busy around here that we push God out. I don't want to get so critiquing everything and, 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 and ordering everything and, 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 uh, and placing everything and, and making sure everything's in order and, and, and just doing all that kind of stuff and that we leave God out of what he wants to do. Come on, somebody help me preach. God help me. Worship is not only the most important discipline that we do, but there's more spiritual warfare involved in worship than anything else that we do. The enemy does not want you and me to worship. You know why? Because it's our worship that ushers in the presence of God. Amen? Where two or three are gathered in his name, our brother quoted it this morning. I thought, God, you're all over my sermon through the songs and through the words that different people, Jerry was all over my sermon. Where two or three are gathered in his name, that's the key. We're here, are we in his name today? Amen? And then the Bible tells us that God inhabits or lives or dwells or resides in the praises of his people. The Bible says if Jesus be lifted up, what will he do? Draw all men into him. The Bible says if we're drawn out of him, he'll draw out of us. Folks, it's our worship that ushers in the presence of God. Amen? Worship is the only eternal thing that you and I as a church and the people of God will do. As important as evangelism is and preaching and teaching and witnessing and praying, yet these disciplines of faith are not eternal. Can I tell you, they may have eternal results, but they are not eternal in themselves. We will not be preaching and evangelizing and praying and, and, and doing all those kinds of things in heaven. There's no sign of it. Thank God our labors have ceased. But there are scores of scriptures that reveal to us that our worship is eternal. As a matter of fact, look in Revelations 4, verse 10 and 11. This is just one example. It's talking about the church, the actual redeemed saints. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him. That liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
The Bible tells me throughout scores of scriptures that in heaven we're going to be praising him, magnifying him. The seraphims, 24-7, they sit there flying with their wings and crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and which is to come. And here we are having the opportunity to come in the house of God and we have an open invitation from the presence of God as a believer, those of us that are blood-bought, to enter into the very throne room of God and allow ourselves to be to facilitate and make room the presence of the Lord. I don't know, but God's wanting to have. It's just like God just said, I want a, 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 an abiding presence at the palace. I want when people drive by on Three Rivers Boulevard or PP Highway that they're drawn because there's a, a living presence here. How many believe that's possible? Not only is it possible, that's the command here today. That when people walk into our building, ooh, what is this? This is eerie. What is this? There's something here. I want to tell you, we've had that presence in times past. God not only wants to bring it back, but he wants to bring it back in a greater degree than what you and I have ever experienced in our lives. I can foresee some things. I don't care. I just really believe this is going to happen. Weird things are going to happen. Sinners are going to walk in and fall out in the spirit in the foyer. People are going to be driving up the driveway and fall under conviction and begin to repent right out in the driveway. And you're going to see ushers out there on people with bending knees out in the parking lots giving their life to Jesus Christ. You say, you have lost your mind. No, I have not. Because when this heel learns how to facilitate the presence of God like God wants us to, there ain't nothing that's going to stop the harvest from coming running in because God's going to bring them from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and God's going to pour his spirit out upon this congregation like we've never seen before. But you and I got to learn how to facilitate and make room for him in this house. If we keep rejecting him and quenching him and ignoring him and putting him off and making him feel second rate and just do what we want to do when we want to do it and when we want God will holler and when not God stay at bay, we're not going to facilitate God's presence like that. Come on. I'm not going to get to my sermon here today. I didn't know which way God was leading. I'm plumb off of my notes right here right now. But worship doesn't just, it doesn't just have significance in eternity. But worship has significance right here, right now. There are special blessings that come as a direct result of worship. That's only tied to the worship experience. As a matter of fact, God hearing prayers is contingent upon not whether we be worshipers of God. The Bible tells us in John 9 and 31, it says, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a true worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. This reveals to us special privileges and special attention is given to those that will worship. Let me say this in this way. You want the attention of God? How many wants the attention of God? Then worship him. You want the attention of God? Then make a decision to worship. You want the attention of God? Worship. I thought, oh, you want me to say that about 10 more times or are you getting it? If you want the attention of God, then worship. Amen? The result of many miracles and deliverances in the word of God was a direct response to the recipient worshiping God. It was Paul and Silas, as you know, that was thrown in the prison as a result of them worshiping God and, 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 and serving God and preaching the gospel. And at midnight, they began to worship him according to the word of God. 
And their worship was not just a mere response of emotion, nor was it even a response to the Holy Spirit. But their worship was a matter of their will. It was a discipline. They didn't feel it. They'd been beaten, whipped, shackled, chained, thrown in the innermost part of the prison. Can I tell you that worship is a decision? It's a lifestyle. It is a deliberate expression of devotion offered through song, prayer, praise, and worship to God. Worship is the discipline of bringing the whole being under the influence of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the will of God. Whether you feel it or whether you don't is irrelevant. Worship can be assumed up by saying it's learning the ways of God. I heard one guy say that worship is the practice of the presence of God because it's impossible to worship without his presence showing up. How many of you, when you begin to flatter your mate and begin to give them love things and all of a sudden, does it not get their attention? When I do it, my wife says, what do you want? Laugh on, big boys. Y'all are in the same place, some of you. Brother Crutchfield's the honest man. He ain't made that. But the truth of the matter is, when I take time, when I'm suffering, when I'm shackled, when I'm chained, when I'm upset, when things ain't going good, when bills ain't being paid, and I take time to just magnify and worship God, God is moved on my behalf. He hears, sees that I am entrusting him and that my faith is in him. Worship is that discipline. Worship is the practice of the presence of God. Paul and Silas set their mind to worship God in their darkest hour, their hardest hour. They chose to keep an attitude of worship. They stayed focused on the person of worship during their time of imprisonment, being shackled, being chained, being beaten, with no hope inside of ever being released. However, Paul and Silas was delivered from their prison as a result of them worshiping God at their midnight hour. They began to sing and they began to worship, and God sent an earthquake by, and it loosed the chains from off their feet and off their hands, and the bars flew open wide. Their praise literally liberated their soul and their physical body. Can I tell you that praise and worship will liberate and free a person? Oh, God, help me praise you right now. The manifestation of the miraculous can only be contributed also in many biblical passages as a result of worship. You remember the story of Jehoshaphat, don't you? When there were three different armies that come together to fight against him and oppose him and Judah and to try to wipe them out. The Moabites, the Amorites, and the and the Minyanites came together to form an alliance to literally destroy Jehoshaphat and Judah. And men came and told Jehoshaphat, said, Jehoshaphat, there's a large army that's encroaching you. It's made up of three kings, and they tell them the estimate of about how many people that they think they are, which is multiple, multiple more times than what Judah had in warriors. Jehoshaphat is very fearful. And the time of his fear, what does he do? He seeks the Lord. And I want to tell you, thank God that fearful men will seek the Lord. And he seeks the Lord, and the Lord tells him, don't let your warriors go out in the front lines. But he tells them, let those that play trumpets and musics of instruments. God tells him, you send your praise team out, let them go in the front lines. That day, half the praise team quit. Everybody likes praise and worship when it's good. When you're in the limelight, when you're the one used, when you're the one that's leading the front. I'll just stop right there. 
But somehow, God looks down and he says, I don't want your warriors to go out. I want to send your praise team out. The praise team would be on the front lines to face the enemy. And that has not changed. Every single Sunday morning when our praise team gets out of here and faces you, they're on the front lines of attack. Come on, somebody help me preach. Every day, the enemy's sitting there trying to buffet them, discourage them, get them all rattled and get their minds all focused on their their set of problems. And every time you turn around, there's no harmony. And every time you turn around, this failed and that failed, this slipped, that slipped. And you know what? They got to keep an attitude that's right too because if they don't, God can't bless. They got to be worshipful too as well as us. God help us. Then he instructs all of Judah when they go out, You worship with them. Everybody wants to blame the praise team when things are bad. But I want to tell you something. Judah had a command on them as well. When that praise team leads you, worship. That ain't a suggestion from God. That's a command of God. If Judah does not worship, it don't matter how good, how much that the praise team practice, it don't matter how much they prepare, it has no, it don't matter how much that they practice or prepared or anything else. I'm here to tell you that if the congregation don't get engaged and facilitate the presence of God, we will be whipped. Amen. I don't get the praise team off a hook. If they don't live holy lives, temperate lives, sober lives, they're in trouble as well. If they lead improperly with attitudes, if they lead improperly with with wrong motives, if they lead improperly by not having a life of righteousness, God will also smite them dead in the Old Testament. Worship is a serious thing. The enemy got confused when they sent out the front lines. The Bible says, as they begin to sing and to praise God, the Lord set an ambush for the army that came to attack Judah, and the enemy was defeated. <laughs> I got a whole segment of, I wish I could preach about how to break strongholds and how to drive your enemy back, how to, how to, how to get your stuff back. They got their stuff back. Matter of fact, they even spoiled the enemies. Worship, I give away to liberate to where you can spoil your enemy. I ain't got time to preach on all of that. But you and I must learn how to allow ourselves to get caught up in worship. We cannot afford to sit around here waiting for the prompting of God when things are hot, when there's a feeling, when there's an atmosphere. We set the tone. We set the atmosphere by what we're willing to do through our discipline. Amen? How many wants this place dripping hot? That's all in your power to make it happen. And if you don't have it, only blame yourself. Because there's times we come in here and we're tired and we're weary and we ain't focused. Well, I got back pain. I can't hardly stand up here and preach. Things are happening. But I want to tell you something. Even if I had to sit down over there, I worship God. I am to worship. We have to learn, regardless of the circumstances, to worship. And as we worship, it moves God to move upon us. John 4, 23 and 24, it says, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For God's spirit, for God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. For God seeketh such to worship him. God's out in search for a church that will worship him. Amen. There's a biblical way to worship God. And I don't have time to teach all the different segments of worship that I've studied throughout the years and I I don't know at all. Every time I study, I I get amazed at the different types of worship and the different names for worship and all that kind of stuff. We've done that before. 
But I want to tell you, there is one element of worship that God is bringing us to here at the palace that we all have to obey. And that is, I'm going to get into two of them, hopefully, before this sermon is over. No doubt about it, just as Judah was required and commanded to praise God when the praise team went out, I want to tell you, I want you to understand God is requiring a unified effort of worship from this body. Are you listening? God's requiring that this body get engaged in worship to facilitate God's presence, to make room. Oh, God, help me. Do you feel the Lord right now? It is a, it's crucial that we see the importance of God's demand here and that his leading is at this crucial hour of transitioning because God is wanting to do something great through the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. We're at a transitioning point, whether y'all know it or not, we've been transitioning for a long time. And I want to tell you, we spent too long transitioning in this one place. Just like the children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness when it was only an 11-day journey, they wasted a lot of time. We're wasting a lot of time at this transitioning. This church has went through a lot of transitionings in its life. I want to tell you, it's when a lot of transitioning in the way that we worship. It's transitioning the numbers. It's transition from breaking the 100 mark. I, I, we about never broke that 200 mark. It drove me crazy. Now we can't break the 700 mark, and it's driving me even more crazy. We got 1,000 members, but our average is right around 650 and 700 on a Sunday morning, and it's time that we understand. It's trying to break the barrier, and the only way to break the barrier is that when this body gets engaged, because God's saying this is crucial for this time and season in your life, this body's got to get engaged, and they got to learn how to worship. Can I have an Amen. I want you to just lift your hand and we get into worship just for a second. I'll go right into preaching. Worship him. It's all right. Right now, we are taking this land. We are. I don't know how many of you are noticing this, but folks, there's people saved regularly at this church. A lot of it ain't during church services, after church service. It's on Monday. It's on Tuesday. It's on Thursday. It's on Friday. People are praying people through all over the place. It's amazing, and we can't get up here and run commercials all the time letting you know about it. But we are taking this land. We're winning the harvest. We are building the kingdom of God at the palace of praise. We're fulfilling and manifesting the will of God in heaven here on earth. When souls are saved, the will of God is being done. But in order for this to happen, we have to be consistent in our discipline of worship. Did you hear that word, consistent? We have to be consistent. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching a little bit here today. Psalm 67 and 3 says, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. The Bible tells us in Psalm 67 and 5, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. That's script, them scriptures are, are over repetitiously all through the book of Psalms. And then we see Psalms 117 verse 1, oh, praise the Lord, all you nations, praise him, all you people. Did you know the Bible teaches that every tongue, every dialect, every language, every race, every color is to worship the Lord God Almighty? I see where the Lord's want me to go now. I'm not going to get into what praise means. How many remember when I preached about how the uh, Allah, Allah means hallelujah? It's where we get the word hallelujah from, and it's a universal, the only universal word that there is in the world. Hallelujah is spoken the same all over the world, and they think that's what the Lord's going to shout when he comes back after his church at the rapture. Hallelujah! You know why? Because every dialect, every tongue, every nation knows that word. It also means to rave, to celebrate, to shine, to boast. It means to be inconsistent. It means to be appear as stupid or foolish. And how many remember me preaching that? I got to go back and preach that someday. Dear God, there's only two or three of you that remember it. 
that we're to boast, that we're to celebrate, that we're to, we are to literally get out and brag and boast about our God in worship. Amen? Also, the Greek word means to, we get praise from the word of praise, that our praise and worship is us putting worth on God. And when we come in here and we don't praise God, we're not showing the worth of God. Amen? I want to tell you, when you get to thinking about how great God is, you ought to get beside yourself and just act plumb silly and crazy. Because I want to tell you, he's beyond comprehension. He's awesome. He's mighty. He's, he's, he, 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 we, cannot, we cannot understand who he is totally. But I want to go where the Lord wants me to go here just for a moment. You know, the Bible teaches us, okay, there's every tongue, every dialect. The Bible teaches us what? A diversity of worship, does it not? It reveals the different culture groups that is to worship him, that is to praise him. Every tongue, every dialect, every language, every race, every color, every nation is to bow down and worship him and praise him. But many of us Westerners here in the United States are so naive to think that their style of worship around the world is like our style of worship. (laughs) I'm fixing to pull some paint off the wall right here. As a matter of fact, there are people that think that worship has to be like that of Southeast Missouri or it's not worship. Hello? How many knows that Southeast Missouri has its own style of worship? As a matter of fact, it bleeds over into other states and there's a geographical area that lacks the same type of worship that we do. The further south you go, it changes and transitions. But the further north you go, it's totally different. Amen. Many northern churches do not worship anything like us southern churches. I got a call one day from a guy from Michigan. He said, I want you to come and preach me a revival. I need a good old southern Pentecostal preacher. I didn't know what he meant. I got up there and I was southern all right. I found out what it meant. Amen. Here in America, we have our worship and cultural wars. We war mainly over two areas in America. The traditional, which mainly is known as the hymnal, and the Southern Gospel, and the contemporary, which is made up of a lot of different varieties of music. And we even have wars among those. We have war in contemporary music. Some like soft contemporary. Some like medium contemporary. Some like hard contemporary. Some in the hard contemporary liking don't even look like the soft contemporary is contemporary. And yet those that are involved in Southern Gospel think that the soft contemporary is crazy. And those that are in soft contemporary things, that ain't contemporary, that hard stuff. That's rock. Are you with me? Smile at me. You need to brush your teeth, Brother Williams. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm lighting it up because I'm going somewhere. This is going to be tension for just a moment. We have these wars going on. Why? Because we don't understand worship. Some like soft, some like medium, some like medium ground. And when the Southern Gospel first came out, it was rejected by some of the mainline denominational churches. Did you know that? I had to study that one time. When they started singing Southern Gospel and replacing the hymnals, the church thought the world was coming to an end. Hello? They accused it of being worldly because it has a twing or a barroom or honky-tonk beat to it. 
when they brought the piano into the church and replaced it with a pipe organ back in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s, there was war in the church. They brought a barroom music instrument into the house of God. And then when we removed the piano back in the 1980s or 90s and replaced it with a keyboard, you thought the world was going to come to an end. One generation fought it coming in, another generation's fighting it to, because it's going out. We have not understood the worth of God when we get caught up in petty things like that. Amen? When they started singing them Southern Gospels, they accused it of being worldly due to the barroom and the honky-talk beat, and they used examples. And these two guys were preached at all time. They said, it's nothing more than Jerry Lee Lewis or it's Mickey Gilly in the church. I heard more sermons against them two guys than any other two guys that I've ever heard in my life when I was younger. But now over time, there's a segment of our society that has come to love Southern Gospel. They love Jimmy Swaggart's music that is just like kind of, his twang is just like Mickey Gilly and Jay Lee Lewis because they were cousins and they played together, but now they accept it as spiritual. And when he first started singing, there was some that tried to crucify him. Are you with me? Are you learning anything? Even though we Westerners have influenced worship around the world, we have, due to us sending missionaries and we being the first ones on the scene from a lot of these countries, we're the first ones to ever bring the gospel to a lot of these countries. And we've influenced a certain amount. There's a certain amount of Western influence upon the nations around the world when it comes to church. Yet when i done missionary work in Mexico, somehow they were tied to the church of God and they bought some church of God red hymnals. And when I got down there, I thought, oh, they got their traditional church until I seen the way that they worshiped. And I want to tell you, they had the Red Hymnal Church, but they played it Mexican style, and they worship Mexican. Amen? Frankly, I didn't like it. Have you ever heard Mexican music? Different than any kind of music you ever heard. Well, I want to tell you, they know how to put Mexican music to our modern-day songs. And when they worship, they worship Mexican style, not American style. And when you get into Mexico... Go to different places, their worship's different. Some are more westernized because they're closer to the border. And they've been around more missionaries. And the westerners has had more influence upon them. Amen? But there's different styles of worship throughout the our, our, our interpreter told me there's wars in the Mexican church. I said, why? Over the music between uh, the Mexicans and the Spaniards and the Indians. He said they all like different things and they all war because all of their music is different. He said, you get a Spaniard and a Mexican together and there's going to be war in the church. You get an Indian and a Mexican together and there's going to be war in the church. And yet when we get to heaven, we all are going to sit there and we're going to have to worship together. What happens when you get to heaven and all of a sudden you find out that God's Spanish? That'll get on your nerves real fast. I've just lost my sermon. When are we going to learn there's all kinds of different styles of worship? 
When you go into the islands, the Caribbeans, the Bahamas, the Jamaican, the Cayman Islands. When you go to the church there, there's what they call the island music that's infiltrated in the worship services. How many has ever heard island music? Kind of wants you to take you away. Amen. And they worship with that stuff. Why? That's your culture. And when us Americans go there, we want to Americanize them. Oh, you're not right. Oh, you can't be saved doing that. Oh, we want to change the way they worship, the way they do things, because we think, oh, we're the only ones right, because we're grown up in southeast Missouri, and this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way that God ministers. I know, because I've been touched of God like this. Well, I have to tell you, they've been touched by God in the way they worship too. Can I have an amen? When I went to China, it was the most challenging of all because their worship was so authentic. I had experienced more authentic and real worship in China than anywhere I've ever been in my life. And you know what was so ironic? They had no music. I want to tell you, this music thing's overrated in America. If it ain't just right, if it ain't just done, if it ain't this beat, if it ain't that beat, if it ain't this style, if it ain't that style, if it ain't this, this, this way or that way, we... Going where there's no music at all. And the reason why there was no music, because we were in hiding. We were underground. It was against the law to worship in that and where we were at. Them people were putting their lives on the line. They were caught, they were thrown into prison for worshiping. But when they worshiped, when that little old lady come out who couldn't read or write, but she could pick up the word of God and read it, ask Randy. She couldn't read or write. Didn't even know how to write her own name. When they asked her to sign documents, she put an X on it. But she picked up the word of God and she read Matthew about uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus and she preached a sermon on the feet of Jesus. And when she got done, she led us into worship and when she did, every single one of us, 100% of us, hit the ground, our faces to the ground and literally, literally, the physical furniture of that place began to rattle and walk across the floor by the power and the presence of God. Just like in the book of Acts, the place was shaken. I've never experienced that or encountered that ever since. Randy West got up from off of that floor and could not speak a word for three solid days. The best three solid days I've ever had with him. <laughs> there was no music, it was just worship. Unadulterated worship, magnifying the Lord together. And then I got the surprise of my life. We were taken on a bus way up in the northern part of China. And we get out there and we meet the literal descendants of Ishmael. They have never married outside of their tribe, you would say. Pure bloodline of them people that set outside of the tents with Abraham. There they were. We got to meet them. And they, and, and they still to this day play the same music that they played even in the time of Abraham. They've never changed. And they played what they called secular stuff for us. And we listened to it. And then they played worship music, spiritual music for us. And they worshiped their God, Jehovah. And you, I want to tell you, folks, you have never seen anything or heard anything like that in your life. 
Amen? I sat there and I thought, what in the world is this conjured up mess? I sat there and I was grieved and yet the Spirit of the Lord was dealing with me in my teaching. All of a sudden when they got to that one spiritual song, they showed you this is how they actually done it outside of the tent of Abraham. Underneath the stars when they would worship God. They, I'm telling you, their music was weird. They had these instruments, don't know what they were. There was one like looked something like a banjo, but it was square and stood around. It had two strings. It went ding, dong, ding, ding, dong, dong. Crazy stuff. Didn't sound anything like anything I've ever heard in my life. And them women and men come out with streamers, and they jumped, and they screamed, and they hollered, and they twisted, and they turned, and they danced, and they, uh, every which way imaginable. If I would have that group here today, many of you would get out and walk out. And yet, that's the kind of worship that God received honor and glory from. I'm going to close here just one second. This is the one I, I don't know why the Lord's want me to get to. I gotta be careful. Nowadays, we're living in, we see lights, backboards, backgrounds, media, worship. Uh, uh, they call them worship strobes, where they strobe the audience. Seeing them in a lot of our churches today. You think ours is a lot of lights, you ain't been nowhere yet. I've seen some of the things they have. And our American, the American new generation is driven by what? Media and vision. All these young kids coming up, they're driven by media and vision. They use it in schools to learn with. Matter of fact, in a lot of schools across America, it's not hitting southeast Missouri yet, but it will. They're taking the textbooks away and they're replacing them with computers. They don't have a book anymore. You go online and you do all your stuff. You look it up. It's all online. Matter of fact, uh, the, their pastime of this generation is gaming online, Text, texting, Facebook, Twitter. That's the way of their life. This is how they relate. This is how they learn. This is how they grow. It is their world. Come on. And nowadays around the world, you're having cultural worlds over somebody putting up lights and some strobes and some backgrounds at a church. That's becoming like a concert. It is a concert. It's a concert to God. Oh, that's so worldly. There's nothing in Scripture that says lights are worldly. This don't work because I got a see-through pulpit now. Oh, Brother Miller, I just don't understand it. There are people that just get so intrigued they can't even come in and worship because there's a light up or something. They don't have a true heart of knowing God anyway because their worship ain't pure themselves. When they can't worship because of that, their worship ain't even pure. Amen? When we get to heaven, there's going to be all kinds of different kinds of lights. Do you not understand that? The backdrop of our worship is described in Revelations chapter 20 and there's or chapter, uh, chapter 19, I believe it is, or chapter 20, and there's over 20 to 30 different color lights that's going to be the backdrop of our worship's experience with God. 
James 1.17 calls God the Father of lights. When we get there, we're going to be blown away. Now, a while ago, I said, what happens if you get there and God's Spanish? What happens if God gets there and you have a concert where there ain't nothing but radiant lights going everywhere and people streaming and dancing, jumping and screaming and yelling? You know what you're going to have? You're going to have a little bit of it all. You're going to have a little bit of it all. What God spoke to my heart is he said, you want a diversified church, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't want a church just, that's just like you, do you? I said, no, I can't put up with myself. I don't need more like me. And God said, in order for you to have a diversified church, it's all right if you just want to have a, a, a church that's like you. Knowing your vision, say, this is who we are. We don't let anybody that, no one's going to come that's not like you anyway because everything you do is going to do what you like. And people that don't like that stuff, they're not going to come. So you're going to grow a church that's just like you. But God said, if you want a diversity church, you're going to have to be more mature and more spiritual than you've ever been. You have to be more understanding. You have to have the fruits of the Spirit. Come on. God spoke to me, and I've already talked to John, and we're going to have more meetings. This place is fixing to get so diversified in its worship that you're never going to know what we're going to sing. We're going to sing some hymnals. Why? Because it draws old people. Boy, where in the world's my help out here? You know what else we're going to do? We're going to sing some stuff off the charts and our young people's going to like it. Now, we know the variety of what we like as a congregation. That'll be our mainstream music. But there's going to be segments of times when we, twi we, we, we mix it up. You know, there's even some old what they call black spirituals. You know probably about them, sister, don't you? The old black spirituals. They're different than the white spirituals. You want black people to come? You're gonna have to start singing some stuff black people like. You want people down at T.O.'s to get saved? You gotta have some da dee dee da da ba da Huh? You like it? Drove me crazy. We're fixing to enter into what God spoke to me and said, you've been praying for my will in heaven to be done on earth. Well, when I want to tell you, when you get to the worship experience in heaven, you ain't going to ever see anything like it, but I want that to be encountered on earth while the palace of praise exists. There's going to be, if any, I don't know how in the world that John's going to be able to every once in a while throw in a Chinese song. <laughs> don't know how he's going to do it. He's going to have to get shorter and squinted eyed before he can do it. How you saying, Brother Miller? I'm, you know, I'm just throwing in a little humor to lighten up the load. Folks, we're going through a transitioning. And we're not going to stay in this mode to where we come in. And it's the same kind of type of stuff over and over and over. It's becoming lethargic, ritual, mechanical. I'm going to learn how to worship with the young people. And I'm going to learn how to worship with the old people. And I'm going to learn to worship with the Spanish. Uh, the Spanish. I'm going to learn to We've got to mix this thing. That's where we're going. Are you ready for it? 
We're going to sing some southern gospel music. Even though there's a segment that don't like it. We're going to sing some contemporary music. We're going to sing all kinds of music. If I could get Ishmael here, we'd have us an Ishmael dance. Would you just stand with me? I want you to hear my heart this morning. Here's the thing. Worship is a decision. Worship is an act of the will. Quit waiting for something to be perfect before you worship because you worship out of emotion and not out of faith. If you have to wait till God initiates your worship, it's not really worship at all because you're not even willing to get out of the box to worship in a way that you're not accustomed to or used to. But when you get out of that box and start trying it, you'll start learning it and you'll start learning to like it. I don't think Brother B.B. would mind this at all. Brother B.B., an old Sinley God preacher, Randy's dad, years and years ago when they were coming here, ain't been that long ago, our youth would get up and do dances. And every Sunday when they would do that, he'd come down, he'd be patting his head. And I knew what he was going to say to me. Very kind, very loving, very gentle. Brother Miller, no doubt about it, you're a man of God. When I hear your sermons, they minister to me. And he, he edifies me for a long time. But then I know, but, I don't know how you can be a man of God and allow something like that to go on in your stage. That's just, it's worldly. It's just, not, and I say, well, Brother B.B., I know me and you disagree, but what's worldly about it? And we would talk scripture a little bit, and I'd say, well, that scripture you're taking out of context has nothing to do with that. Well, yeah, yeah. And we, and we struggled there for a little bit. But he's always kind and loving and loved me. This went on for a good long while. And then one Sunday morning, he come down, he was patting his head, and I thought, well, here we go. We're going to have us another discussion. And Brother B.B. walked up and tears streaming down his eyes, and he grabbed me and he said, Brother Miller, would you forgive me? And I said, well, for what, Brother B.B.? And he said, for me not understanding he said, I, I just told and said in my ways, but he said, today, while them young people were up there doing that thing, the Holy Ghost fell on me. And he said, the Holy Ghost ministered to my heart and, proved, and, and, and reproved me that I was wrong in what I was thinking. And I'm so sorry. And from that day forward, he worshiped with our youth. But what was so unique about it is during that time, the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, when Brother B.B. said that, he said, turn around and look at the stage. And I turned around and I looked at the stage. And what did I see? I seen his granddaughter, Lacey, involved in that youth. And he knew Lacey. And he knew Lacey's relationship with God. And when Lacey got up there and she was involved in that, the Lord, through Lacey, ministered to her grandpa. Can I have an amen? That changed the mind set of a preacher that had been preaching the gospel for 40, 50 years. Some of us have got to be sick. I've had to have me challenged like that. I'm still being challenged like that. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking this congregation to get engaged in unified worship. Making a deliberate choice 
an act of the will, I'm going to worship God. If the Chinese can worship without music underground, if Paul and Silas can worship God with shackles on their feet in a dark dungeon somewhere, if Jehoshaphat can go out before an army and worship God, being overwhelmed by the odds, then surely we can come in here together with all the different styles of music and programs and worship the Lord together as the palace of praise. And let me tell you, he said, let us offer the sacrifices of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving praise to his name. Your praise has to be verbalized. It's by the fruit of your lips. David said, "Without," he said, with my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. With my mouth, I'm gonna make known. And you and I gotta do it continually. It can't be the sporadic stuff where we come in this Sunday and we worship good, but the next Sunday we don't. If we come in here this Sunday and then the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Wednesday and the next Wednesday and we're just on fire with our worship, folks, you watch out because when this body gets unified in worship, I wanna tell you we're in presidents for a revival like we have never seen before in our lives. Amen. Right now there's a revival going on in one of our churches down in South Carolina. They are traditional as can be. I mean, they sing the old hymnals. They had a prayer revival. 2,500 people showed up to the church to try to get in to pray for a prayer revival. And they've been having it for some time now. Things are breaking out. Miracles are happening all over the place. And, and some people say, well, they're having it because they're, 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 they're traditional. And then there's another revival broke out in another place where they're singing nothing but hard contemporary. Revivals broke out. Things are happening. Miracles are happening. And some say it's happening because they're keeping up with the latest fad. The truth of the matter is it's happening because people are worshiping. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to all come close as you can. Just for a few minutes, folks. We'll, we'll, we'll dismiss in a minute. I want to unify us here as brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. I wish I had time to preach. Oh, that's good right there. You know what the Bible says? It says, let both young men and maidens, old men and children, praise the Lord. Let everything that have breath praise you, the Lord. Right now, just for a second, can I hear some men praise the Lord? Just men. Come on, men, praise the Lord. Just men. Hallelujah. Oh, but let the women and the maidens, can I have some women praise the Lord? some women praise the Lord can I have some teenagers praise the Lord y'all are supposed to be the rowdy bunch let me hear you teenagers come on that is the most weakest thing I've ever heard amen can I have some college and career age praise the Lord we got one college and career guy in our church, and he's 57, 59 years, 60 years old. 
Can we all magnify the Lord together? Will you magnify the Lord with me right now and praise Him? Hey, can somebody say hallelujah? come in with this enthusiasm and I have to be coached and pampered and begged and cheerleaded and, and, and just we just do it. Now what, what you just done, I want you to do every Sunday morning without being coached. Without being told. And I want you to be loud. Because I want to tell you with your mouth you shall make known his praise. There is people, and I was going to get into that, that think that worship is a private act of their own will and they can do it consciously with their thought patterns. That's unscriptural. Because by true worship is declaring the worth of God. True worship was with your mouth declaring the worth of God. It's verbal exercise of the mouth. You can't even be saved unless you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. True worship, God is only honored with verbal words spoken from our mouths. And I want you to give it. No, regardless, of, regardless of what songs are being sung, I want you to worship as if you like it all. A sinner and an act of your will to God. I love the Lord. And, and, and you'll get to learn and like a lot of different kinds of stuff. Amen. Get out of your box. Look at somebody and say, get out of your box. You know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to preach one of these days and call myself the rhinestone preacher. And I'm going to come out and have electric lights all over me. My luck, there'll be a short and it won't be the Holy Ghost blessing. It'll be 220 current. I love you here today. God's stretching the palace. We're going into transitioning. We got to be in harmony, folks. The house that's divided against itself cannot stand. When there's friction, when there's tension, when there's just that feel of division, God can't, God can't bless in that. Amen? When, when you get up and there's a song that you don't like, I have to fight it too. There's certain songs I like and certain songs I don't like. And I have to fight that, but if there's that tension, oh, no, not that song. And you kind of put your hands in your pockets and it's just like, well, God's not worthy to be worshiped through this. So you just sit there and you wait till that song's over waiting for something to spark you. God's not honored in that kind of stuff. That ain't worship. It's not worship at all. When worship's about us, it ain't worship. I'm asking you, let's be unified in our worship. One last thing, grab somebody's hand. Lift them up high. Now exalt the Lord with all you got within you. Come on, praise him. Praise him as a body. Praise him as a team. Praise him as the palace of praise. Shout unto God the voice of triumph. Be in unity, O palace of praise. Be in unity, O palace of praise. I'm not on my son, I'm
Now hug four or five people and tell them, I'm with you and not against you. In Jesus' name, God bless you this morning.